Hello, friends. No sleeping through this episode of the Truest Fan Podcast. Frankly, you won't be able to because I'll be talking to Michael DeLong, who is the founder of Paperback Experts. And Michael is a high energy guy who brings a lot of energy to the work he does with his clients, a lot of financial advisors, helping them bring out their expertise and share it with lots and lots of people on a regular basis so they get results. Michael's awesome. I hope you'll listen in. You're listening to the Truest Fan Podcast. And now, here's your host, Rob Brown. Okay, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Truest Fan Podcast. Uh, Rob Brown here with you again. It's so good to have you back uh, on the show. I'm very excited today uh, because I get to have a conversation, actually another conversation with somebody that I've met through my Truest Fan journey who has also had me on his podcast. So this is kind of an encore um, presentation, so to speak. But with us today is Michael DeLon, who is the owner of Paperback experts. Uh, he helps folks like us take those great words of wisdom and ideas that we have and, and put them in writing and actually get that book done. So we'll talk a little bit about that as the show goes along. But as usual, I want to start off by asking my favorite question. Um, as most of you know, been listening to the podcast, the truest fan idea is built around the, the concept that, or not the concept, but the fact that I am a huge Cleveland Indians, Guardians, baseball fan, and that has has taught me lots of lessons about being a fan. And so I like to ask my guests, uh, who's, who's your favorite team? Well, Rob, that's a great question. And I, as I told you earlier, that's the hardest question that, I, that, that I, I've been asked for a long time because I'm not a big sports fan. I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I, I had to really think about it. And I went back to my childhood because I, I grew up in central Indiana. And I remember watching the Cubbies and listening to that iconic voice of Harry Carey, right? And I would say that's probably, if I had to choose a favorite from my childhood, Childhood, it'd be the Cubbies. And then today it'd probably be the Arkansas Travelers, which is a Meyer Lake team, because we can take my family and go to the ballpark and enjoy a, a fun evening in a kind of an intimate setting in a great ballpark. So, but probably the Cubbies. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fair. I was actually going through customs last week and uh, in Canada, and the agent saw at the uh, the customs agent at the gate saw that I had a Cleveland shirt on, and he goes, "Is that a uh, C for Cleveland?" And I said, "Yes." And he goes, "Well, you probably won't want me to tell you who my favorite." team is then. And I said, well, you're saying it like really kindly the way that you're asking it. So you must be a Cubs fan and you're, um, you're, you don't want to be speak too loudly like a Yankees or a Red Sox fan because of that heartbreaking <laughs> World Series in 2016. So he was, he's the great. first Cubs fan that um, I felt was like, oh, he, he gets how hard it is not to um, have a team oh, yeah. win the World Series in your lifetime. But anyway, enough about sports. Um, <laughs> but that's a great story. And, and Harry Carey, I love Harry Carey. That's an iconic, iconic voice from from growing up with, you know, the the Vin Scullies of the world, those, those voices that just... Yeah. 
Yes. To just they bring resonate. you back. Yeah, they bring you back to the past yeah. and and yeah. remind you why you um why why so many people are are fans of the sports. Um, Absolutely. But let's let's switch gears because one of my favorite questions to ask on this podcast and it tends to carry uh, the whole conversation is I like my guests to think about great advice you've gotten over the years and is there one nugget or a couple of nuggets that really stick with you so that as you go about your life you know raising your kids running your business that you you kind of remember those lessons over and over again yeah it it um it's woven through a couple of things obviously scripture's big big with me of being a follower of Christ and in the teachings that I've got not just from the Bible but from mentors in church and different things but in business as well as it's the 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 mentality the philosophy of serving and I went through a leadership program one time years ago and it was talking about servant leadership and they had a lot of principles and then I read Stephen Covey's seven habits and he talked a lot about serving and you know obviously you know Jesus said I've, I've come not to be served but to serve and as I was raising my sons I've got four kids you know in two boys who are growing and out of the house I would I would instill in them Rob that service is in our DNA as Delante and so we'd be walking through the halls of church or something I'd see a piece of paper and I'd stop and I'd say let's pick that up and they're like well why I'm like because we serve that's what we do and I think in in life in business I've tried to come at it with a servant mentality to say I'm here to help you get somewhere now I'm not going to let you walk all over me because that's not what that's not the definition but I'm here to put your needs above my needs so that we can get it done that and that's really the philosophy that we that I that I try to to implement through life whether it's with my family in business at church of being a servant so I can help you get where you need to go and and do the things you want to do because I find I find great joy in serving I, it's just how God's made me. So that's probably the concept that has woven through my life. And it probably, you know, it's funny you ask that. I go back to my dad who was a fireman for 20 some odd years. And I remember him being around the house cooking dinner, cooking meals sometimes because at the fire station they would cook, but he'd come home and cook. I remember him vacuuming the house. I remember him doing dishes. I remember him taking out the garbage. I guess I, I, re- I saw servanthood growing up and never really connected all those dots until you just asked that question. Yeah, that's, um, that's fascinating. Because, you know, when you mentioned your dad and just kind of guessing um, your age, that wasn't his generation wasn't necessarily the stay at home dad generation, the one that would make the dinner, right. vacuum the carpet, you know, clean the house. And um, right. but he displayed that to you and it's in it and it stuck. It did. You know, and being a fireman, you know, he'd work a day and then off a day, work a day, off a day. He had a, a weird schedule and he had a part time job on the other days. But when he was at home, yeah, he was serving. He was doing stuff. And it drove dropped into my heart, I guess. You know, I, I, more things are caught than taught, I guess. Right. And so I definitely caught that from my dad. Yeah. You know, cause yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, a great point. Cause I think sometimes when we think about that nugget and I try to be careful how I ask that question is because, you know, sometimes you just like, what are those two yeah. words or that one sentence that somebody said to you that just stuck as opposed to, right. and, and there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes that's like a cheer. It's like, you know, over and over in your mind, you just remember that, that, um, that mantra that comes from those words. Words, but sometimes maybe it isn't the words, it's the actions, the way that you watched mm-hmm. somebody do something that stayed in your heart and now um, has carried over into the way that yeah, you, uh, you serve so. others. And, and in thinking about that, though, one of the things that really dawns on me is that idea of being a servant in this world that is filled mm-hmm. with so many big egos that, you know, I couldn't, I can't call myself a servant. How do you, how do you think that 
that squares up, you know, does that, how does, how does that person who really feels empowered to be the leader and, and maybe does even do a, a decent job of, of serving, but would never consider themselves to be. Yeah. That's a great a question because I think it, um, the, the mindset of a servant, you know, I go back to Jesus, right? In my mind, he's the greatest leader that ever lived. And he was the greatest servant of all time. So he was able to met, to mesh those two things, servant leadership in the life of Christ. And I look at him and I, what I find is too many leaders are out there, too many people who become arrogant and self-centered because of their abilities and they start lording it over people. And those are the people that rub us the wrong way. But I've been around a lot of great leaders who are super successful in business and life. And they're the humble people. They realize it's not about the money or the title or the whatever, but they're always looking around, encouraging people, really being a truest fan. You know, you, you gave me that 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 name when you, when you sent me your book and we met. And I thought, I love that because that really defines how I've experienced great leadership through the year. They're encouragers. They leave you notes. They pat you on the back. They say, well done. All of those little things because they're secure in themselves. And I think that's really the key factor is a phrase that I use, Rob, is I want to be content with what God's given me and where he has me, but I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to just sit here because I think God has more things for me to do and he's equipped me in certain ways. And what I find is when you find a leader who can be content with who they are, then you find somebody, hopefully, who has more humility and who can be that truest fan to those around them because we're always trying to lift others up. Uh, we had one of our key employees um, leave us this in, in the last month to get a, a different position that's, that's more fulfilling for her, more in line with, with where she's wanting to go. And, you know, we took the news hard. It's like, oh, no. But then we're like, great. How can we support you in that, right? Because we want her to thrive in, in whatever she has in the future. And I think that it's little things like that of we should always be looking to, to raise people up. And so in the midst of a world that tends to be negative and downcast, I think it's our mindset of I'm going to be different. I'm going to lift you up and believe that good's going to come when I do it. I'm going to feel better anyway. Did I answer that? Yeah, yeah, no, you you did a great job of answering that. I think you you shared a lot. And I love that um, that it's okay to yeah. be content, but not to be complacent. I think that's a great rallying cry for the world that we live in today, where we can get really frustrated because we want things to move, you know, kind of fast and furious and get a lot of stuff done. It's like it's okay to stop and say, hey. Yeah. We're doing great right now. Let's just be happy with what we have, but keep focused on the future. And I I, th I think that is an awesome way to go about living. But the other thing that you said, or something that you said that really resonated with me also is the idea of cheering other people on. And obviously right. that's a big theme and true as fan, but I can't think of a situation ever where rooting for somebody else to be successful actually hurt me, you know, because, you know, even if I wish my competitor in business, you know, the best and they do really well, um, there are enough people out there that I can serve that we can exist in the same world. But if we are always rooting people on around us, whether they're working for us and they're on our teams and we want them to, to be even stronger, better members of our team with more and more responsibilities, or they say, you know, I've hit my plateau here. There's something else I want to do. And instead of secretly, you know, going out the back door, they can come to you and say, Hey, I'm thinking about going on. And you can say, right. we're going to hate to leave you and, and, and maybe even try to talk them out of it, but ultimately say, how can I be your, continue to be your fan to, to serve you and root you on to that next opportunity? That's a, yeah, 
and and it does come back to you you know we've, we i've had that multiple times in my life when i've i've encouraged somebody in the next level and i'm telling you rob three or four years later they'll refer somebody to me for business or ministry or something and the only reason is because i didn't burn a bridge because i was an encouragement to them and i mean in all of life life's just really relationships you know we were my wife and i were missionaries for a decade here in america and and we have we have supporters all across the nation people who who sent us money every month that we could serve at this ministry and those relationships we built and you know we had to cut those relationships when we left the ministry to start my business but only in a financial aspect i can still pick up the phone today and call people all over the united states and say hey i'm driving through can i sleep in your couch and the house is open right because we've built relationships and i think so many times especially today we elevate the transactional nature of our lives instead of the relational aspect of our lives and i think because we live with a the, the world tends to live in a, a non-abundant mindset. I'm not sure what the right word would be, but a, a, a lack mindset versus an abundance mindset that you talked about. There's plenty of business out there. There's lots of opportunities. Let's encourage, let's build each other up. And when you do that, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird. Things get attracted to you and, and I, I've... <laughs> I can't tell you, and you probably had the same experience. You're running down a pathway to build your business or hit a goal or something, and God brings business from a, like a 90-degree angle, and you're like, I didn't see that one coming, but thank you, right? And I think it's because of our attitude behind all of it. How how are we living right. our lives? Um, God takes care of us. Yeah, he absolutely does. And, you know, as you were talking through that, and and I was thinking about the a big part of the audience for this podcast are financial mm -hmm. advisors, financial professionals. And in my coaching work with advisors, one of the things that I find is a momentum changer is when they stop thinking about their business as the mm -hmm. next transaction. Um, and, and not that they're necessarily selling products for commissions, because most of my uh, mm -hmm. my advisor clients don't. But when they stop thinking about it, it's I'm counting the number of clients I'm adding, or I'm counting the number of assets under management that I'm bringing in. And they start to think about, I'm adding a new ideal relationship, somebody that I can work with and serve over time. Their, again, the momentum changes, their business becomes much more meaningful because they're they're working with folks that they really enjoy uh, working with. And, and those clients are the ones that tend to spread the word for them. Yeah, um, very much so. Because well. you're building you're building those deep relationships and you you're understanding that that family at a deep relational level. You understand hopefully their anniversary dates and their children's names and their birthdays and you start sending cards or gifts to them and nobody else does that right but when, when it's done and, it, and it's coming from the heart and it's very relational and it's true it makes all the difference in the world and it, it takes care of a lot of the business growth goals and objectives over a long period of time and you find yourself in a business that becomes generational not just for the families that you're serving but for you because you're able to pass that business on to your children or, or somebody else because you've built such deep relationships there's that word again right but that's really where, where it starts and where it ends is is understanding who we're serving. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how do you how do you bring that together? We've talked about a lot of mm -hmm. stuff in a relatively short period of time. We've talked about the importance of being servant leaders. We've talked about 
being content, but not complacent and building relationships. There's, there's something, something there that I'm just, it's escaping me as a way to frame that even, even better because yeah. it's worth Well, let me frame it repeating. this way. And I don't know if this is good, better, and different, but it's how we live our lives is I, I see too many people, Rob, and I'm, 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 they're, they're working for the number, for the almighty dollar. I'm trying to get to that number. And that's their all-consuming passion, okay? Hence the transactional aspect, the counting of clients, the AUMs, all of that to get me to that number. And I, I really encourage people to kind of flip that on its end and say, let's stop worrying so much about that number someday because I, I've, I've known a lot of people who hit the number, retired, and died the next year. Live your life today. Give more of your money away today. There is such joy in giving, supporting ministries or or the local community, whatever it is, use what God's given you now and start giving away and invest and make a difference in other people's lives as you're growing your business. And I think what you'll find is you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to grow your business more prolifically. I mean, God will do amazing things, but I, I find so many people are so consumed with retirement. And that number of that age, and it's, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm there too. I'm looking at it, but it's not my all-consuming obsession. I want to make a massive difference in people's lives during my life because I don't know when my life's going to end. We I mentioned my dad earlier. So on June 29th, 1987, my dad was killed in a motorcycle accident. Uh, June 28th of that year, I was on a motorcycle with my new girlfriend, who's not my wife now. <clears throat> um in front, parked at the stoplight in front of the fire station he was working at, right? And I thought in my head, I should go in and introduce them. And then the next thought was, nah, there'll always be another time to do that. She never met my dad. I never saw my dad alive again. So we know, we don't know when we're going to die. So why are we so focused on a date somewhere in the future? And I think that, I think that plays into this whole mentality we're talking about is if you want greater joy, do more with your money now be a truest fan to those around you today. And when you retire, guess what? You're going to have a stadium filled with truest fans who are rooting you on. I don't know if that made sense, but that, that's what was hitting me. No, I, I'm glad you um, I'm glad you took that turn because I think that really is important. And again, just thinking about the work that I do as a coach to advisors when I can help my clients understand what their big dreams are that are not just their financial goals yeah. for their business, not just the succession plan that they have when they one day retire, but think about what can you be doing right now to make a difference in your community or to the causes that you care about? Um, yeah. they, they live differently because I guess that's just an extension of servant leadership, right? Because part of being a servant is being a big giver and not not right. uh, not holding back. And, um, and that can be so, yeah. so rewarding. Are you ready to discover your true purpose, live with impact and build an ever greater legacy? Then you need to make time for what truly matters most. Go to truestfan.com slash challenge to begin the free Truest Fan seven day quick start. So let me um, let me flip gears. Tell me who is an ideal client 
for your business. So um, you're in the business of helping others write books and you have your company, uh, Paperback Expert. Talk about your ideal client. Yeah, thanks. Um, business owner, entrepreneur, thought leader, somebody who has a, a message that needs to be proclaimed. They're in a very competitive industry. So your audience would, would fit that, right? This very competitive. And they're looking for a way to elevate the status, their credibility in the mind of their audience. And what we do is, is we, we know that you're an expert at what you do, financial planning, helping people deal with, you're an expert there. And the problem is there are about 40 other experts in your same city. How do you, how do you separate yourself? You tell your story. Who are you? Because at, at the end of the day, people are buying you more than the products and services you offer. So we have a unique ability to, to tell your story Sometimes you have a process that's unique to you. It's telling that so that you can have a two or three hour conversation with an ideal prospect or client when they're reading your book. So we look for, for financial advisors who are, are, are successful already. They're not starting. They've been in it for a few years and they're wanting to make a larger impact, to communicate a message more clearly, to precondition prospects before they hire them, to answer questions, to inform, to educate, to tell your story so that it can be passed on to families, to generations, to centers of influence. So we love working with people who have a passion to serve, have a message to share. They just don't know how to get it into a book. We've got that taken care of. Right. That's awesome. And as an author and someone who's actually helped a couple of clients of mine who are financial advisors write books, I can honestly say I I wish I knew about you before we met uh, so recently because um, it's it can be a lot of work. Because some people ask me, well, when do you know the right time is to write a book? And my answer always is, the minute you start wondering whether or not you should write a book is when you should write a Absolutely. book. And it, it doesn't have to be a crazy years-long process when you have somebody like yourself who can walk somebody through it and make it um, make the hardest part for your clients probably just getting them to share what they naturally share, just making them stop to do it. Um, and if, if they weren't writing a book, they'd probably be telling that same story right. in some other way anyway. That's right. Yeah. We, so, and we tell, so, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. So what's the best way for somebody to connect with you who might have an interest in uh, writing their own book? Yeah. If they just go to paperbackexpert.com, that's our website. From there, they can, they can find everything they need to know about me and about our company. So there's all kinds of information, testimonials, free resources, a credibility calculator we've created that you can take to give you a credibility score. Uh, there are videos, there are ways to schedule a call with me. So paperbackexpert.com is the place to go to, to start understanding how do we help people like you, Rob, or, or one of your clients create a book without writing a word and guide them down the process that very quickly they can go from being, wow, I'd love to do that. I don't know how to. I'm a published author. And then teaching them how to use their book in their business to actually grow their business. Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, we're a marketing company. We want to help them grow their business, make a larger impact and serve more people. Right. And that's uh, that's some great info. And, you know, in the world, Michael, that both you and I work in are 
best tool for understanding if we can serve a client well is an introductory conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, those quote unquote strategy calls have been turned by too many folks into sales pitches. Yes. But I feel confident if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you think you have a book in you, go to paperbackexpert.com, learn a little bit more about Michael. And if you're intrigued at all to schedule that strategy session, do it. Uh, because whether you move forward with a book or not, and, and I'm sure, Michael, you're not going to try to twist somebody's nope. arm. That's <laughs> uh, probably not the way to get a that, book that, written. Yeah. You get to twist an arm, it's not going to happen. Right. It'll be time well spent. So I just, I want to emphasize that because it, it bothers me sometimes when I will get a referral and I ask my clients when they refer somebody to me, just ask them to schedule a 15 minute call with me so we can yeah. get to know each other. And they're like, I don't want to do, they're just going to try to sell me. I was like, no, that's the, that's the last thing. Um, that yeah. you want to do. So I um, mean, we'll be sure, sure to include that info in the um, in the show notes. But I have two more questions to end, end our conversation. Okay. So my favorite lesson in a Truest Fan is uh, smiles and kind words go a long way. I believe so strongly that the simplest way to be a Truest Fan is to make somebody else smile. So I'm curious, what, what makes you smile? And and what do you do to make other people smile? So I think what makes me smile the most is when I see the light bulb come on, come on in somebody's mind through something I've shared with them. And so I, what my mission statement in life is to facilitate growth in organizations and individuals. So as long as I'm doing that, I'm smiling. So when you and I have a conversation and, and you go, oh, I love that content, but not complacent. Okay. There's a light bulb moment. I love it. That makes me smile. And then how do I make people smile? Well, I use a program called Loom, L-O-O-M. And it's just a short video. There are bomb bombs. There's all kinds of them out there, but to send to people little short video messages that are really personal, 20 minutes or 20 seconds, 40 seconds, just saying, Rob, thanks for a great interview. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed being on your, on your podcast. Can't wait to stay in touch. Doing those throughout the week. Last year, I think Loom sent me at the end of the year how many Looms I did. And I think I was in the 390 Loom uh, mark. And so I sent more than one a day on average. I make I, I try to make people's lives better by touching them, by being really personal, but very short. I also do a lot of video text messages. Um, a dear friend of mine sells, is celebrating 35 years of marriage today. First thing I did when I got in is texted he and his wife. Congratulations. Way to go. Little things like that. That brings me joy, but it brings them joy as well. Right. Yeah, I, that's powerful. And that's that's a big part of, of that Truth Fan lesson is, you know, what, what can you do every day just to make somebody smile, whether they happen into your consciousness or you know it's their 35th anniversary or you have a conversation with somebody in business or life, you say, you know, I just want to follow that up. I want to, I want to kind of memorialize that a little bit mm. uh, because it's, it's worth, it's worth that extra effort. Yeah. So um, to close, Michael, just last question. Um, is there any, I feel like you've already shared so much great uh, wisdom with the audience, but is there anything that you'd like to leave behind in particular for, um, for the Truth fan audience? You know, if, if, if one piece of advice that I was given that I try to live by, be yourself. And, and what I mean by that, Rob, is that for the first few years of my business, I was trying to be who I thought you wanted me to be. And I would avoid video because I didn't have a great studio or lighting and I wasn't. And I finally gave that up a few years ago and just became Michael. And now I'm me. It's changed everything about our business, about my sales calls, about just it's, this is who I am. If you like me, then let's let's talk and see how I can serve you. But if if this a 
offends you, then please don't have a conversation with me because this is who I am. But it, it's really just right. chilled everything out for me. And I don't have the pressure to produce anymore because I know that when I show up authentically as me, I'm going to attract the right type of people and everything. So stop trying to be who you think your audience wants you to be and be yourself. Build relationships. Have fun smile. Yeah. What a, what a great way to end this. And, and just to put a little extra exclamation point on that, all I can think about is that, you know, we are made in the image of God. Mm. So yeah. I think it's okay to be ourselves <laughs> when we've got the imprimatur of the, uh, of the creator of the universe um, has put himself into us so that we can be the people that we are. Yes. And that's what he wants us to be. So, um, so I think that's that's just a great way to um, to close this out. So, just as a reminder, in case you uh, did listen to the the beginning of the show, we've been with Michael Delon, the president or the president or founder I, of Paperback. I, I go back and forth, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> a paperback expert, great guest. Michael, thank you for uh, being on here and sharing mm. with us the importance of servant leadership. You're welcome. Uh, the idea of being content, uh, but not being complacent, uh, and then wrapping that with the bow of being yourself. And all of those things are ways to be a truest fan, but also to live intentionally and be the best uh, version of yourself. So thank you so much. You're welcome, Rob. It's been a joy. Thanks for having me. Thank you.